All right, I want to welcome you guys this evening to our candlelight service, our Christmas Eve candlelight service. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, open with a word of prayer, uh, and then I'll have you stand, and we've got a couple of songs, and while those songs are going on, we're going to come up the aisle here and, and start lighting your candles. So we're going to light the ones on the outside, and you just pass them all along towards the walls uh, as lighting your candles. And we've got all sorts of candles up here, and I... Better not get too excited tonight, or we may be in the new church sooner rather than later, right? So, we do have insurance if we burn it down, but uh, I'm glad you're here tonight to celebrate our Savior's birth. So, if you would stand, and let's open with prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll open with song and lighting of the candles. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, uh, just for the opportunity, Lord, to be here tonight, to worship you, Lord, to celebrate your birth, uh, Lord. It's a special night and special service, and God, we do want to give you all the praise and glory tonight. We love you, and we thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven, heaven and nature sing. Tonight we have a couple of specials, also this evening. I just learned this about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> the bells on Christmas Day They're all familiar carols songs repeat a peace on earth goodwill to men and the bells are ringing peace on earth peace on earth
blow these candles out. Uh, we're going to have communion here in just a few minutes, uh, so I know you'll want to have them blown out for that, but you know, don't burn your neighbor or burn yourself, okay? But you got some discretion. But I want to read a passage of scripture tonight. Um, you probably can't turn in your Bibles if you have a candle, but if you can, great, go for it. Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 21. So this morning we talked um, about the, the birth of Jesus out of the book of Matthew. So there's two books that cover it, Luke and Matthew. Tonight I want to read to you the passage out of Luke. It's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. In the end. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. When the angels went away from him into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it and wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen, and it has been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you again, Lord, tonight for this time that we get to glorify and honor you. And we get to worship you. We get to celebrate your birth. Your birth and your life and your death are the hallmarks. They are the timeline for all eternity. They are the most important event in human history and will ever will be. And so as we celebrate them tonight, Lord, we give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I do pray. Amen. So uh, this time, Christmas, is... You know, it's really a time of year when everybody celebrates it, pretty much. I mean, pretty much everybody celebrates it, whether you're lost or you're a follower of Christ. Obviously, uh, tonight, it means something to you to be here, and so I'm thankful that you're here. But there's a lot of, a lot of people in our society who wants to take Christ out of Christmas, and you just can't do that. Christ is right in the middle of, of Christmas. But even lost people... Uh, and the world will recognize that, as I mentioned, all of human history revol resol revolves around Jesus' birth, life, and death. Our calendar that we use today uh, and th that, that is dated history stands for Jesus. It stands for Christ. B.C. means before Christ. A.D. means Anno Donani, and that's medieval Latin. And it means year of our Lord. So we are in year of our Lord 2023. The calendar, the dating, is all represented around Jesus' birth, his life, and his death. So I pray, my prayer for, for all of us tonight is when, when we celebrate Christmas tomorrow and we're celebrating maybe over this weekend and in the coming uh, week, whatever time you have with your family to celebrate, that you remember that Christ is the most important thing about this. We're going to have a lot of other things and probably give gifts and do all those things and have meals, but this is the most important thing. But I want to cover just very briefly tonight why this is so important. Why is Jesus' birth so important? And, and here's several. Here's one. The first one is that's when God became flesh and dwelt among us. 
This is when God literally became flesh. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then in, in verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So as we talked about this morning, Jesus already existed. He was in the beginning. He created everything. But literally, he became flesh and lived a life among us. God, the creator of the universe, was born by a virgin named Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this is all part of God's redemptive plan for us. It's all part of the redemptive plan. Too often, we read the birth of Jesus and we don't take the significance of literally this is God being born in human flesh. And why was he born? Love, to redeem us because he loved us so much, to redeem us from this death sentence that we have of being sinful fallen men. Without Jesus' birth, without God coming in flesh to sacrifice himself on our behalf, as I said this morning, there's no point in being here tonight. There's no point in worshiping if Jesus wasn't God and he didn't do what he did. But God was made flesh, and now we have a way to be reconciled to God because of our sin. The second thing I think about is that Jesus starts to reveal or he does reveal the true nature of God. In John chapter 1, just a little bit down in verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. What does that mean? No one's ever seen the Father. But the best image that we can see of God the Father is God the Son in Jesus. So what we know about God, we can look at through Jesus' life. In the birth of Jesus, we have God revealed in the most perfect, most glorious manner that we can ever see until we stand before him in heaven. When Philip asked Jesus to show him the Father before he ascended into heaven, Jesus said this in John 14, 9, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He's the best image, the, the most perfect image of God because he was God in flesh. Paul says this about Jesus in Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The exact imprint of the nature of God. Jesus was the visible image of God. We see that even in the Old Testament. We've talked numerous times at Crossbridge about where you see Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus is all through the Old Testament. All the time when he's appearing to people in the Old Testament. The pre-incarnation of Jesus. The birth of Jesus and his ensuing life make it possible for us to know what God is like. So we have the opportunity to know God better by simply studying the life of Jesus. By looking at his life how he handled things, how he handled situations, how he treated people, what he did that's found in his word. The third thing, this is amazing, I talked about this this morning, the birth reveals to us the grace of God. It reveals to us just how merciful and gracious God is. God didn't have to give up the comforts of heaven. He didn't have to do that. He did that because he loved us. If he hadn't have done that, we would still be dead in our sins. But he loved us so much. He showed us so much grace and mercy by being born. We define grace as what? Unher uh, unmerited favor. That's a proper way to define grace. Let's explain it. God's revealing God's, Jesus reveals God's grace. He reveals God's mercy, his tenderness, his compassion. 
When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when we believe in him, we profess him as our Lord and Savior, then what do we have? We have direct access to the throne of God through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 14, 16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. Literally, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, now you have access to the Father through Jesus. Before Jesus' death, nobody had that access. A priest would go behind the veil in the temple. Now, because Jesus dies on the cross, he comes, he's born, he lives a perfect life, and he dies for us. Now we have direct access to God the Father. We have an advocate. Only by the birth of God and Jesus Christ are we able to receive God's grace his mercy and his forgiveness. Only by Jesus, only through Jesus. And the fourth thing is this birth of Jesus reveals the truth of God. John 1.17 says, For the law was given to Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace without truth would be sinful. It'd be impure. But grace based on truth makes love pure and holy. What is truth? Jesus said, I'm truth. Truth is everything that is right. And truth is against everything that is wrong or is false. God being full of grace does not mean that God overlooks sin. No. You, you want to you see how serious God takes sin? Look at what happened with Jesus on the cross. He sent his son to die for that sin. Jesus is revealing that God is tender-hearted. He's long-suffering. He's forgiving. He's also stern, uncompromising on all that pertain to truth and righteousness. Jesus said in John 14, 6, this is, a, this is probably the one, one of the most important verses all in Scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say he was a truth. He didn't say that he was a way. He said that he was the truth. He was the way. A lot of people in our, in our society today, they don't want to accept that there's an absolute truth. They want truth to be relative to their life. Truth is relative to the circumstances. What may be true for you isn't true for me. That's what you will hear. That's a lie from the pits of hell. There is an absolute truth. The absolute truth is Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. It's only through that. The birth of Jesus was a key moment in God's plan of redemption. Without the virgin birth, as we talked about this morning, without the birth of Jesus, we don't have salvation. We don't have salvation. We're dead in our sins. It all, his redemptive plan starts with Jesus and his birth and leads up through his whole life of teaching for us, being the example of God to us, leading up to his death. We're, we're about ready to take communion uh, here in just a second. This is one of the most special times that we have as a body of Christ to take communion. We look back on his humbleness, being willing to empty himself, taking the form of a servant, Literally, the creator of the universe set aside himself to die for us. Think about that. Being born in the likeness of men, being born of a virgin in a little town of Bethlehem. We look back at his willingness to go to the cross to die for sins that he didn't commit. 
He went to die for sins that we committed, that I committed, that you committed. We are the reason that Jesus had to go to the cross. And he was a perfect sacrifice. And that all starts at his birth. We look ahead to one day joining him for all eternity in heaven. We look forward to his return. One day he's going to return, church. It's not going to be born of a virgin. It's going to become as a conquering judge. And when he comes back, you must know him. In order to be forgiven and saved, you must know him. You must know him. And when I mean know him, that's a personal, intimate level. Not a, I've sat in church my whole life and I've heard the name of Jesus. That you know him intimately. You have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. That you recognize that your sin has given you a death sentence. That you have sinned against God. But him being rich in mercy and love went to the cross for you. And when you believe in that, and you, and you profess that, when you profess him as your Lord and your Savior, your life changes. This isn't about sitting in church or being a church member. That's why we don't require you to be a church member to take communion with us. You don't have to be a member of Crossbridge to take communion. My family's here tonight. Who, who They're members at another uh, church at Timber Ridge, and they're serving there. They're going to take communion with me tonight because they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you're visiting with us tonight... We, you, know, we, we don't want, you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. Just that you have publicly professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, without his birth, we, we don't even have a reason to do anything. We're dead in our sin. And so tonight, I know this is not a typical um, Christmas song at all. And so I knew Corey was going to be leading tonight. And it's actually my favorite song. He's saying this a few months ago at church. And I told him, I don't plan on kicking the bucket anytime soon. But I said, if I do, I want him to sing this at my funeral. Because what this is, this is all about who Jesus was and what he did for us. And so as Corey comes and sings tonight, we're not going to have a formal invitation. But here's, here's what we do before we take communion. I want to make sure the Lord wants you to make sure that your heart is right with him. So... If you are a brother or sister in Christ and you have unconfessed and unrepentant sin in your life, if you're living in sin, maybe nobody else knows about it. I'm telling you that God knows about it. He knows. You're going to have an opportunity, as Corey's singing, to confess that sin to God. You don't come and confess it to me. You confess it to God. And you say, Lord, I know that you've saved me, but I need you to forgive me. And I don't want to live like I'm living right now. And you confess that sin to God and he will forgive you. You do that before you take communion tonight. Because we're given a warning in scripture about this. In 1 Corinthians it gives us a warning. It tells us to not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. If you're here tonight joining us and you've never publicly professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I don't want you to take communion tonight. Because it says you can become sick or ill or die. And that's a warning that we're given in scripture. So don't take communion tonight if you have unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life or if you're not a follower of Christ. For my brothers and sisters in here tonight, as Corey sings, I want it to be an opportunity for you to spend time thanking the creator of the world for being born, for living and dying for you. And, and think about what he has done in your life. Remember that before we take communion. If you're, if you're not a follower of Christ tonight and you have questions about that, I want you to come see me.
please come see me. I'll be sitting right up here. You come up here and see me, okay? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him just spend time in prayer and thinking about the words of this song. Well, I heard the preacher talking about three wooden crosses upon a hill for everyone to see. Two sinners on the outside couldn't save themselves if they tried. And all I could think is, man, that sounds like me. Cause I've been the one on the left full of guilt and regret, long gone on the wrong side of living. I've been the one on the right, always looking for a fight, thinking I can never be forgiven. I'm standing here today, overwhelmed by grace, as I know who paid my cost. I thank God for the man on the middle cross. He didn't have to do it, but for me that he went through it, in love like that I'll never understand. Lord knows I don't deserve it, and I know I couldn't earn it. Let mercy rain down on a desperate man. Cause I've been the one on the left full of guilt and regret, long gone on the wrong side of living. I've been the one on the right, always looking for a fight, thinking I could never be forgiven. But I'm standing here today overwhelmed by the grace, cause I know you paid my cost. I thank God for the man on the middle cross. The cross is where he went, but that ain't where he stayed. And he brought me back to life when he rose up out of that grave. Someday I'll stand before him, I'll see Jesus face to face, and I'll worship and adore him, for my life will ever change. Cause I've been the one on the left full of guilt and regret, long gone on the wrong side of living. I've been the one on the right, always looking for a fight, thinking I can never be forgiven. Cause I'm standing here today overwhelmed by grace Cause I know who paid my cost I thank God for the man on the middle cross I thank God for the man on the middle cross Cause I thank God for that man on the middle cross many times after he gets done singing that hear that song that I think we can just close the service right there we're going to take communion tonight so I'm going to ask our elders if they would please come Joel would you also come and help us tonight
So in Matthew chapter 26, it's where we see the Lord institute his supper. And he was meeting with his disciples, and this is what he said. He said, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. What we're going to do is we're going to bless the bread, and we're going to pass uh, out communion. We will take it together. So while we pass it out, I encourage you to just spend time uh, thanking the Lord Jesus for what he's done for you on the cross, for being willing to set aside who he was to be born and to live and to die for us. I'm going to ask Denny. If he would please bless the bread. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this night. Lord, we only have communion one night out of the year, and we pray in remembrance. Lord, remembering that you were crucified. Lord, that you shed your blood for us, but you were born. We recognize that you were born at this time. Lord, and we pray that you would bless this bread to our bodies. Help us always remember, life comes from you in your body. In Christ's name, amen.
Jesus said, this is my body, take ye and eat. He took the cup and he blessed it. Ask Alan if you would bless the cup. Our holy heavenly father, as we hold this cup in our hand and we remember, father, that it was the blood of your son that was shed for the remission of our sins. Father, help us always to remember that and to honor him. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Jesus said, this is my blood which is given for you. Take ye and drink. And as we normally end after communion, Scripture says they went out rejoicing in song. So I'm going to ask you to stand tonight, and we have one more song as we close. Yeah.